Jesus. You guys just stay engaged with us. Just stay engaged in the spirit. Leaning in with expectation. Let's just continue just to press in. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord. For your mercy and your grace towards us, Lord. I love what Rick was saying and, and Phyllis even be, before service as she's speaking and prophesying over us, really. And Rick says during worship, he says, the Lord is, is working. And mercy is amazing because like right now we have a snow covered fields and man, before we know it, the, the Easter lilies right, are going to be springing up. But mercy is this, that while it's still underground, while it's still covered up, man, God is working, and it's, there's things taking place, we can't see it. But we see on the day, right, that it breaks forth, and we're like, whoa, there they are. But something had been taking place long before we saw it break through, before we saw something break through fallow ground, before we saw something break through hard, frozen soil, there was things taking place underneath where we couldn't see it. That's the working of mercy in our life, right? It's like we don't get what we deserve and what, a, what an amazing illustration. And, and I, I want to try to stay as um, in line as I possibly can this morning, but I'm just going to let the Lord speak as he wants to to us. And... Um, Rick asked me to share something if I had a word in my heart for the beginning of the year. And uh, is that okay? Is that too loud, guys? A little bit down? Okay, maybe just down a little. You're good. You guys are doing awesome. Perfect, right there. I love it. Oh, man, it's never, I don't know. I, don't, I never feel awkward waiting on the Lord, so I'm sorry. Sometimes I just get... Um, and he asked me for the beginning of the year if I had something to share, and, and it was on a Wednesday. I remember I was driving home from work, and man, I was like so honored that he would ask me, and I wasn't even thinking about having something to say. Man, and all of a sudden, this phrase drops in my heart that honey is the new wine. Thank you. And, and I couldn't really put it together at first, and I started to kind of dig into some scriptures about what this would possibly mean, and Lord, what do you mean honey is the new wine? And I kind of started thinking about what wine is and what it does, and, and I never really studied out honey before, and its relevance in the scriptures and to us. And I kind of just start to ask the Lord, like, Lord, why are you making this comparison? Why is honey the new wine, Lord? And as just the more I leaned into this, the more it comes to me. And the first thing that, that leaped in my heart was, I want you to stop asking for what it is you think you need. And I was like, wow, Lord. Most of the time, I mean, especially like, you know, being Holy Spirit, charismatic, you know, drunk on wine and the Holy Ghost people, man, it's usually I would think that wine would be what I needed, right? I mean, like, Lord, send your wine. And there's a time for wine. There's, man, I'm not excluding that at all. And the Lord continues to just break this open and, and new phrases are coming, right? It's not time for war, it's time for work, right? The last couple years, we've been at war. Man, we have been in it. And I know that you guys know more than most. 
And, and, and to me, just knowing what time it is and what I need in the moment sometimes takes away like 90% of my struggle, you know? If I didn't know what time it was and what I needed for the situation that I was in, I mean, I could be at war when I should be at work, right? I mean, even if I showed up for work at 12 o'clock noon and I didn't know what time it was and I walked in and I'm like, hey guys, ready to start my day, my boss would probably, you know, kindly ask me to leave. So knowing what time it is and where we are and what it is that we need in the hour that we're in, I think changes everything. And I keep on hearing the Lord say, man, honey is the working man's wine. Honey is the working man's wine. It's what's going to brighten our eyes. It's what's going to lift our countenance. And we'll get into this passage of scripture that I want to dive into and we'll see what this really does and so honey is the new wine. It's not time to go to war. It's time to get to work. And, and I listened to Mech, uh, Rick's message last week. And if you guys were here, I encourage you to listen to this message again. You know, this is a father pouring out his heart of wisdom over us. I, I pray that we have ears to hear and eyes to see Phyllis has been saying, this is, this is my prayer. I, I pray that we no longer see each other according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, right? Sometimes we could just become so familiar with one another that, man, it's hard to even hear Jesus in anyone. I mean, seriously, right? I mean, it's like we are doing life and we're so close and sometimes we can't see the forest through the tree. And sometimes we just need to ask the Lord, like, Lord, let me see, let me hear Jesus because we all pay a price, right? To, 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 we all are denying ourselves and we are saying that it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And this is our hope and our desire that we would see in unity Jesus alive and speaking and moving and doing things in one another. Listen, if you don't have relationships that are iron sharpening iron, I encourage you to get with someone and just begin to talk about God and see the revelation that comes up out of it. Like, I love Kenny and I's time talking about the Lord. We were together the other day in the garage just talking about certain things. And he says to me this phrase, he says, yeah, we just need to reach in. And, and because of the relationship and because of iron sharpening iron, like out of this comment he makes, yeah, we, it's time for us to reach in. Right? I mean, it was like, whoa, that's it. We need to reach in. We need to be in. That's where we are anyways. We're in him. There's more in us than we could even begin to imagine. Jesus says, when you start hearing the kingdom's over here and it's over here, and he says, don't go running all over the place. Know this, the kingdom of God is in you. The change that needs to take place in us, it's already in us. I need to learn how to actually reach in. When we are praying and we're worshiping and we're asking God to move, I'm not, I'm not trying to pull something down. I'm releasing something on the inside of me that comes out. It's the kingdom of God. It's the sound of the throne room of heaven being released through my voice, through my instrument, while I'm worshiping, while my eyes are fixed on him. It's coming up and out of me. If we want to see the kingdom of God manifest, it's not trying to get God to move. It's releasing him on the inside of us. Amen. Honey is the new wine. 
It's not a time to get drunk. It's time to be sober, be vigilant. Why? Peter tells us that the devil, our adversary, he's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He's not coming to just give us a bad day or have you stub your toe on the, the chair. He's coming to devour us. And in this hour, if we could be sober-minded and we could do the work that God is doing, I believe that there's a grace on us right now that if we could just simple things, man, Pam and Curtis is amazing. The other day, man, you hear the Lord about, um, you know, taking money to the streets. Like, this is the work of the kingdom. It's the simple obedience. It's faith like a child that when we have revelation or the Lord speaks to us to do something that he's already doing, right? Jesus would have never called him to go to the streets if he wasn't already in the streets. I was, um, we were asked years ago at the, at the other church that I belong to to write a, a theme song for the men's rally in the valley. And uh, so... We write this song, and man, I'm so nervous to get up in, on this platform and play this song that we just wrote. And um, I'm standing at the bottom of the stairs, and I look up, and I just see Jesus is already there waiting for me to enter into the place he called me to. Like, he was there, like, hey, come on, son. I'm, I'm not calling you somewhere. I'm not already there. And, and in, in Samuel, in 1 Samuel, we read, man, you know, Saul is getting it wrong left and right, and he thinks he's doing great, and my heart actually breaks for Saul. And, and Samuel comes to him, and he's like, listen, man, your obedience would have been better than sacrifice. It's going to be our obedience in this hour to see what God is doing, how he's working, how he's moving, and join ourselves to that. Honey is the new wine. It's time to be sober and be, be vigilant. I want to read a few um, verses over us. One of the things that came out of this study is that I find, and I, I'm prophesying this over us, that the way we begin to speak to each other, it's going to change. It's going to be, there's not, not that, it, that there was anything other than life on it before, and, and it won't be uh, false humility, and it won't be puffing each other up, but you know what? We're going to have the Jesus answer for each other. We're going to have the, the wisdom. I'm saying, man, there is there, wisdom and honey are so connected. We are going to have the wisdom that, you know, a lot of the times we, and I get it, man, we want to be empathetic and sympathetic with each other. And I, I get it. And, and, you know, God bless Phyllis for this because you are probably one, and, and it would be hard, but when you bring something to her, Right, you're really going through it. Her response is the word. It's not cliche to give somebody what Jesus would say. That's the appropriate response that we're looking for. That's the thing that has life on it. And when you ask her to pray for you, she's not going to say, all right, hey, I'll, I'll pray for you. See you later. You're going to turn around and walk away. She's like, let's do it now. Let's, let's pray and believe right now because you need something right now. And these are tools, right? We all have gifts. We all have callings. We all have tools in our hands that God is wanting to get activated and set in motion these tools that he has blessed us with. I, I love, I think I have the best seat in the house during worship because she stands right in front of me. And man, she starts singing her heart out to Jesus. I encourage you, when we come next Sunday and we get to do it all over again, I pray that you come recklessly abandoned. 
with hunger expectation and, and crying out. And when we worship with our mouth, it is the longings. Listen, you know, I, I pray that it breaks out in here that there will be groanings and cryings and longings will come up out of us that will be a sweet sound to our Father in heaven. When my baby starts crying, right, when our babies start crying, you know instantly, hey, that's a hungry cry. That's a belly hurt cry. That's a tired cry. Listen, your cry with no words communicates to the Father, and he knows exactly what you need. So in our worship, our, oh, Lord, I love you, whatever it might be, you might just start crying. That is worship to the Lord. That is our reasonable service to pour ourselves out in worship. So it's these tools that we all have. And we get to come again next Sunday and we get to come with just eager, what is God going to do? How's he going to move today? What's he going to break forth? And listen, I release and I, I, I just ask for the Holy Spirit to just come into almost, you know, Jeremiah says, I would grow weary if I held back the word of the Lord. And I pray that we actually become weary if we don't operate in our giftings <laughs> to the point that we're like, wow, I can't not say something. I cannot go lay hands on someone. I can't come with someone with an encouraging word and prophesy life and hope over their life. And we just get to move and operate in the gifts that God has given us, right? There are tools in our tool belt. The way we begin to speak to each other, listen to what uh, Proverbs 16, 24 says. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. So as we are believing that honey being the new wine, it's the, right, we, it is the influencer in this hour. Wine usually is the thing, right? If you are under the influence, right? That's wine, you're intoxicated. Honey is going to be the thing that influences us in this hour. And as we speak to each other, these pleasant words, that's why it's so important for us to see one another according to the spirit and not the flesh. Because if I see you according to how I know you, I probably won't be able to speak to you to the degree that your soul needs to hear. So if we are not able to see each other according to the Spirit, I'm not going to have the Spirit thing to say to you that's going to be sweet like honeycomb to your soul and health to your bones. Honey is the new wine. I want to read from chapter, uh, verse 21 to 25 and have this verse in the middle and check this out because we're going after revelation, right? Honey is going to come. There's a grace on us in this hour to hold up this Bible this word of God in it drip with revelation and it drip with knowledge and it drip with understanding. There is going to be so much life. I want to encourage you in this. The word is going to challenge us. And Rick did an amazing job on Christmas Eve service, right? The, the stories that we've always known, man, that we've always been taught and that we've always heard, right? We know the Christmas story, man. He did an amazing job by breaking into this this way of communicating the word to us that I've never even knew about. Right? There's, there's mystery in this word, and it's going to challenge us. The, the Spirit of God is going to come upon us in the stories that we've always thought. There's going to be new life that comes up out of it. Whoa, I've never seen it like this before, Lord. 
John 3, 16. Oh my gosh, Lord, there's, there's so much honey on this. There's so much wisdom in here, Lord. It's going to come alive to us to a completely different degree. We're no longer going to try to take the world and cram it into our biblical view. We're going to be able to hold this Bible up. And if I can't see you through the word, right, this is going to become our looking glass from here on out. Oftentimes we would try to take the events we see out here and make them fit here. God is switching it around on us. We're going to be able to see the things taking place out there through the lens of this book. If I see world chaos, right, I see chaos, it's not looking so good. I'm going to hold this book up. Wow, okay. It still looks like chaos, but now I understand what God is doing. Now I could actually hear a little bit clearer about what God is doing. And that's what I'm going to be able to attach myself to, not what I see in the world taking place, but through the lens of what God has already done in the world. He's already overcome. I don't have to, I'm not preparing the same way the world's preparing. I'm preparing for favor, y'all. I'm preparing for prosperity and blessing and protection. Time is on my side. Time is working against them. Their time is coming to an end. My time is leading to eternal life. So as I see these things unfold, I'm not going to, to try to, hey, I see this taking place and try to make it fit here. I'm going to hold this word up with honey. And I'm going to have a completely different perspective of the world around me. Honey is the new wine. It will influence us in this hour. Proverbs 16, 21. The wise in heart will be called prudent and sweetness of the lips increase learning. Honey is going to increase our learning. Have you had a hard time reading and learning and studying? Honey is coming. Honey is going to increase learning. Verse 22, understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it. But the correction of fool is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. Right? These are going to be the pleasant words. This is all leading up to pleasant words are like honeycomb. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Then verse 25 says this, and this is why I'm saying that we, this is why the Lord is referencing honey to wine and me stopping asking what I think it is that I need because in all of that, he says this in verse 25, that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end, its ways are death. If I am only going according to what it is that I think that I need in this hour and I'm not able to see and perceive what God is providing for me, there is a way that seems right to a man and its ways end in death. They do not lead to life. So the way that we speak to each other is going to begin to, to uh, man, it is going to be life. It is going to be sweet. It's going to be encouragement, exhortation, comfort to us. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be the, the testimony of Jesus, right? I mean, that is the spirit of prophecy. It's the testimony of Jesus. Let me read another one here to us. So this is Proverbs 24, 13 and 14. My son, eat honey because it is good. In the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste... So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is a prospect. 
and your hope will not be cut off. If we will allow the Lord to give us this sweetness, right? I mean, it is, the, it is sweetness that brings about a healing anointing. It, Jesus says, uh, or it says about him that he had compassion on everyone and everyone got healed. It was this sweetness about him, this deep compassion for those around him that brought about healing in their life. Right, so we're going to look at each other and it's not going to be, I think it was Bob Jones who said, if you leave somebody with just your sympathy, you're in sin. And even the world around us, listen, they're hungry, man. They don't want our, hey, man, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty rough. I mean, maybe some people like to just have, you know, empty words said to them to kind of keep them where they are and keep them in their, you know, as a victim, but we're no victims. We're not orphans and we're not poor men. We have a vision, right? The whole song is actually wrapped around us having a vision and therefore I'm not a victim. I have a vision of my father and who he says he is and who he says that I am. I'm not an orphan despite the things going on around me. I have a vision of who my father is and who he says I am. I'm no poor man. I know that I am his favorite in the kingdom of heaven has been given to me through Jesus. I'm not the, the tail, I'm the head. I'm not the last, I'm the first. And this is the boldness that we start. Listen, this isn't just right things to say, although it's right things to say. When there's honey and there's understanding and it's what you're under the influence of, now it actually becomes the, the witness and the declaration that comes up out of you that no lie is going to be able to come against you. And I'm telling you, sometimes the lie is heavy. Just yesterday morning, I'm telling you, the lie was heavy. A few days before that, on me, the lie was heavy to where I call Phyllis and I'm like, listen, this is, this is heavy. It sounded silly probably, but it was so real, you understand? But it's gonna be honey, it's gonna be, I'm gonna be able to press in. And what we struggled with in years past that, was, that, that hindered us, that slowed us down, that punched you, right in the gut, that took your wind out of you, is no longer going to have any power over your life. We read this story in, in Judges about Samson. And the whole story in this, uh, about the lion and, and the bees and the carcass, long short of it is Samuel is on this journey and, and he goes to Timnah and he sees for himself a Philistine woman. He finds a, now listen, one thing we have to understand about Samson, not only was he an Israelite, he was a Nazarite Israelite, which their whole code and standard of living was far greater in this culture and the laws and the restrictions that they had on them as Nazarites was far greater than just a regular Israelite. So for him to find a Philistine woman then that he wants to marry, I mean, now you're talking about rocking the boat here when it comes to family. That just doesn't happen. His parents actually say to him, is there not even another woman here amongst your brethren? Is there no one in all of Israel that you would rather marry than this Philistine? He's like, go get her for me. She's good in my sight is what he says. 
But this is what it says about this encounter. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So it would seem though Samson was like completely way off in this situation. But what they were unable to do was they were unable to perceive that God was actually through this instance was looking for an opportunity to move. It says then that they are walking through this vineyard together and all of a sudden, to Samson's surprise, a young roaring lion comes chasing after him, comes right, right down the path at him. And it says he ripped it in pieces. Now, his mother and father didn't see what had taken place. So we could, you know, in our imagery, imagine man, maybe they're walking along and they just get really upset about what's going on in Samson's life. And man, you're making the wrong. We got to get rid of the voices of doubt in our life, right? Because they're unable to perceive what God is doing anyways. They can't see clearly enough to tell us, hey, man, I I hear what you're saying. And I'm going to partner with you on this because I see God working. This lion comes after him. He rips it in pieces. He goes on into uh, Philistine or uh, Timnah to, to get this Philistine woman. And on his way back, he turns aside, it says. Now, somewhere along the way, like I said, his parents and him, had, at least there would have been a distance because if a roaring lion came after any three of us walking on a path, right, I'm sure the other two would see and hear what took place. It says that he was walking back uh, and he turns aside and he sees this dead carcass of a lion. And he walks over to it and he says that there were bees and the bees had made a honeycomb inside this lion. And it says that he reached his hand in and he pulls out honey. He eats some on the way. And then when he gets to where his mother and father is, he shares it with them. A lot of us, and this is, this is, I want to prophesy this over us. A lot of us have fought battles in previous seasons that it seemed like nothing happened, man. Nobody knew about the battle you went through. Nobody knew what rose up on the inside of you that you put to death, that when you kept moving, nothing seemed to change. I'm saying now is the hour that God is bringing us back past that thing. And he's saying, he's saying, Kev, look over here, man. Look at this dead thing that tried to kill you before. It's dead. And not only is it dead, I want you to go over to it because what's in that victory is now going to be sustenance to your spirit. It's going to feed you. There's going to be life on it. It is going to to encourage you now when it didn't then. And not only that, it's going to become a testimony for others. When, when Kathy was sharing this morning, I felt something different on it. Like I felt this, this eager expectation that, that this, isn't, this isn't a small thing. This is God working on our, uh, I forget when it was, when Pam and Kurt, uh, you guys wrote on the rocks. Remember you wrote on the rocks? And out of all the rocks that Cheryl could have picked up, my God, it says that God is a healer. And we moved on. And I'm so thankful for Kenny because he kind of stopped us. And he's like, hold on, guys, listen. 
We, we, I, I can't move past this right now. You mean to tell me out of all of the rocks that she could have picked up, she grabs the one that says God is my healer? Now that's something to go ahead and get excited about. That's not a small thing. And these things that seem insignificant, do you know that a bee, an African bee, a honeybee, is actually more aggressive than a lion? I don't know how they studied that or how they proved that out to be. But God is going to overwhelm with a greater authority the thing that the enemy tried to kill you with. Because the lion was dead, overwhelmed by a bunch of bees in it, a honeycomb that gave you life. The thing that tried to kill you is overwhelmed by the kingdom of heaven in this hour. And if we will just turn aside and see, hey man, maybe it's been your anger. Maybe, maybe it's been uh, whatever it could be, drinking, stress, maybe you're, you're, whatever it is that you're struggling with, we're going to see something take place that when those things rise up, we're going to realize that's why I asked Rick to sing this song. And this is a personal testimony in my life. Things were happening one after another. Boom, boom, boom. And this one day, man, something just happened. And, and at first I had this response of in the flesh, like, oh my gosh, not again. And I stopped. And I started singing. Your name is like honey. In the midst of this thing, right? It's all around me. And I started singing this song. Man, and all of a sudden, I tell you, it was like, other than my born-again encounter with Jesus, I don't know if there was another time in my life where in the midst of something going wrong, I get slammed with the joy of the Lord. I'm telling you, it was like deep in me. So much, I couldn't contain it. Like, I had to call somebody about what was going on. And they felt it. And they're like, hey, hold on, check this out. And then they felt it. It was honey. It was honey because otherwise I would have responded a certain way to this thing, I'm telling you. But I was able to stop and I saw God in it. And I was like, you know what? This is a, this is a dead carcass of a lion. I'm not going. I'm not going to let this. I've already ripped this in pieces before. I'm going to get what's in this. I need to reach in. Man, and it became honey to me. And it brightened my eyes and it encouraged my soul. It was the thing that in that hour influenced me greater than what the enemy was trying to do to me. One of the tactics of the enemy is to get us to curse in our life what God is blessing. It's actually enmity against God at that moment, right? We are in sin against the Lord if when he blesses us with something, something goes wrong and we curse it. We start complaining. We start to murmur all this old hunk of junk thing, right? We start kicking stuff. Man, that was a blessing from the Lord. And what's happening is the enemy is trying to get me. He's trying to rob my blessing through my mouth. He's trying to get me to sow words of cursing over something that God has called blessed. You see, the world does the opposite. They try to call blessed what God has cursed. That's how the enemy gets to them, right? I mean, we could see a world right now in lawlessness, blessing what God has clearly cursed. But for us, he tries to get us to curse what God has blessed, robbing the generational inheritance. 
That's what happens when we begin to sow seeds of cursing over what God has blessed. It's robbing us from generational blessing. It stops us for, from receiving and it stops us then from being able to freely give. Honey is the new wine. The thing that would have came roaring down your path that you in past seasons have ripped apart. It didn't kill you. We're all here. We're still praising God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to be going back that same way. And I'm not saying this stuff's not going to happen. But what I am saying, it's not alive anymore. And there's honey in it for you. And there's a testimony in it for us that's going to brighten all of us. We don't necessarily listen. It says here in the Bible that Samson doesn't tell his mother and father where he gets the honey. He doesn't say that I ripped the lion apart and in it was honey and I brought some to you. He just gives it to him. And so what we're going to be able to do, it's not like we need to break into everything that's ever happened to us. But what I could stand here and say today, this is what I mean. I, I prophesy over us freedom from addiction. Because of my life of addiction, right? I don't have to go into every store and I don't have to tell you where I got the honey from. But there's going to be life on. I can tell you that there's freedom from pornography. I don't have to be caught up in a spirit of lust. Anger, I don't have to be enraged with bitterness. Right? This is honey for each and every single one of us because something's going to happen against one of us in, just in our mundane life. And we're going to have, we have enough people here that when something happens to us, someone has honey for it. Somebody has something to give us. And it's going to be life and it's going to be freedom and it's going to nourish us. Jesus. I don't want to try to uh, get too far into this, um, this other story. Jesus. I will share a few things. This is going to be out of 1 Samuel. Let me say this, and maybe, it, would it be okay if I did share again next week then? Is that okay? Okay, to cover this. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, so, so the main emphasis of this story takes place in chapter 14. But in order to really understand um, the full context of chapter 14, we have to look at chapter 13. And this is the beginning. Listen, Saul is only uh, two years, two years into his kingship, and he picks for himself. This is chapter 13 of 1 Samuel. He picks for himself uh, 3,000 men. 2,000 men go with um, Saul, and 1,000 goes with his son Jonathan, right? And they, they're up against this Philistine army, army. And it says that Jonathan attacks a garrison, right? And a garrison is a well-established military base. So we're talking, it actually says 30,000 chariots. It says that they had warriors more than the grains of sand that cover the seashore is what the Philistine army has. Israel has 3,000 men. What I find very interesting in this passage of Scripture, when you get to the latter end of, uh, the later end of chapter 13, it says that there was not a blacksmith found in all of Israel. So therefore, they had no weapons. Israel was an army with no weapons. The only two people that had weapons at this time who had swords were Jonathan 
and Saul. However, what Israel did have, they had axes. We all have tools. We all have gifts. That's what our gifts are, they're tools. They had mattocks, they had sickles, and they had plow hands. And what they did was, this is crazy, Israel brings their tools to the Philistines, the enemy, and the enemy sharpens their tools for them for a small price. That's what has been taking place through these last few years of war. The enemy has been sharpening your tools. He's been making your discernment a little bit more keen. He's been bringing wisdom up out of you just a little bit sharper than what it was before. He's causing your hunger to be just a little bit sharper and a little bit more deadly than what it was before. So everything we've gone through, all the evil that the enemy intended to hurt us and bring harm, God has actually intended for good, and and the enemy has sharpened your tools for you. Now, this cost us something, right? It has cost us something. And I'm not to minimize the cost and the price that we've paid in these last few years. But greater than that price, it was actually like a third of a shekel, which is a very minimal uh, price. Your tools being sharpened. Now you have tools ready for war. Now you, right? So we, we get into chapter 14 and, and, and uh, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, he says, you know, this, I found this amazing. He says, let us see if the Lord will work for us this day. They're getting ready to attack the Philistines again, him and his armor bearer, just the two of them. Just the two of them. And he doesn't say, let us see if the Lord will fight for us this day. Let us see if, if the Lord will deliver us this day. He says, let's see if God will work for us this day. They just got their tools sharpened in the previous chapter, the things that they would work with. And Jonathan asks and says, let's see if God will work for us this day. This word work in the Hebrew is the same word that's used when God says, let us form and make man in our image. However, the difference between these two passages are in Genesis, he had the dust to work with. In this situation in chapter 14, there's no other noun attached to this Hebrew word that would indicate that God was going to work or create something with something. What he's saying, Jonathan is saying, let us see if God will provide for us, will work for us, will create something for us out of nothing. It doesn't seem like we might have a lot um, We might seem like we've got nothing, but God is going to create something out of nothing. And all of a sudden, it says this in chapter 14, verse 1. Now what happened one day? Can you imagine like a life of praying for something and then all of a sudden, man, one day. Now it happened one day. I'll release that over us today. Now it happened one day. A day that you weren't expecting in the spirit you were anticipating, but on this day you didn't wake up and you weren't thinking, man, this is going to be the day that, that breakthrough happens. I'm telling you, it's going to be that day. It's going to happen one day. And that one day is, is now. It's happening. Now what happened one day. I want to, um, I, want to I want to stop here for today. Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are working for us, in us, through us. God, I thank you that you have the wisdom 
to know that although we had tools to bring to a fight, the enemy has sharpened our gifts. The enemy has sharpened our tools. Jesus. I want to invite you uh, to release today prophetically. I Listen, you guys, have. I know who you are and I know what you've been through and I know what you carry. You've ripped lions in pieces and you've been back past that same way and you have found for yourself honey. And I want to ask you today with a spirit of prophecy, if you would come and you would release honey over that which you have gained victory over in your life before. I want us to stir up our gift of even just testimony. Again, it's, I'm so thankful that, that Phyllis asks for testimonies and we're a, a testimony-hungry church because God has done it in your life. He will do it in mine. I need your honey. I need the thing that you have gained victory over in your life and I need you to, with a spirit of prophecy, declare and speak it over us that I might eat of it as well. Jesus. So I want to just release you if, if, if you feel led and you know that you have gained a victory. You know that there was a roaring lion who, come, who, who was coming down your path and you ripped it into pieces. Right? The food was in the fight the whole time. You didn't know it at the moment. You thought it was just something trying to kill you. But because God is the beginning and the end, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the alpha, the omega. He's above, below, beside, and within. He knew that eventually that fight would turn to food. So I just want to ask at this moment, if you have honey that you know that you want to release, it doesn't have to be long, 30 seconds, five seconds, and you want to prophesy something over us that it would be honey to our souls. We'll just take a minute here. And if anybody feels led to do that, by all means, please come. Yes, we thank you, Holy Spirit. We continue to praise let's continue to praise them all the way through communion and, and then the last song I had a dream this past week and I want to share it with you because it's relevant to to this body and to every one of you and it's brief I was at the house where I grew up and I was working in the garage and specifically I was working on the garage door and attached to our house was this huge airplane hangar. And uh, there was this uh, ladder against the wall, taller than any ladder I've seen, maybe 40 foot tall. And I climbed the ladder, and when I got to the top, I was in the rafters of this airplane hangar. And as I got uh, up to the ceiling of the airplane hangar, there were several speakers on the ceiling, and they were repeating. United, 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 united. And my son Alex was down on the uh, ground, you know, wearing the whole ground crew uniform, you know, and the headphones and all this. And I yelled down, I said, what's that mean? And he looked up and he said, united. 
That's the name of our plane that's coming in. And I thought, that's us. That's our family. If you're a, a member of this body, uh, you're united together. And whether you're in the rafters working or whether you're on the ground crew, maybe you're just riding on the plane, maybe you're flying the plane. But we need to be united for our plane to come in successfully, right? Yes. And we've had uh, many scriptures about being united, but I want to quote one today that's a warning against being divided, and that's from Mark 3.25, and it says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So we're warned that we must be united in, in order to stand. United, being united brings three things. It brings strength, it brings power, and it brings comfort. And the enemy wants us to be separate, he wants us to be weak, and he wants us to have no hope. So we will be united, and we will rely on one another for the strength and the power and the comfort that we bring to one another. So we're going to do something today in the spirit of unity, and Mary's son Alex had a vision last Sunday that I, I, we talked about before communion, and he had a vision of anointing oil before the communion table. And so today, when you come up uh, to the, before you get to the communion table, you're going to make a little pit stop, and Pam and I are going to anoint you with oil. Each and every one of us will be, will be anointed, and we will be united. And one more thing, in Galatians chapter 13, in verses 4 through 6, it says, we are no longer slaves, we are sons and co-heirs. So when we call ourselves brothers and sisters, it's, it's not just a name. We are brothers and sisters. We are family, we're united, and we're heirs. And what's our inheritance? It's life, and it's heaven, and it's salvation. So we come, we are anointed, we take communion, we remember Jesus, we remember what he has done, and we give him thanks. We're thankful for what we share as a body. And we share his life, his death, and his resurrection, right? And that's what we celebrate at communion. If you think this is just a, a stop for a dab of oil before the bread and the juice, then, it, then that's all it will be. This really wasn't my idea. Alex had a vision, I had a dream. This is orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And I 100% believe that we will have an encounter with and a move of the Holy Spirit when we are anointed and when we take communion. So repeat after me. We are united in communion with Christ. So let's come and commune with the Lord and be anointed.